I was not well equipped to be a tech founder. It was not a plan. <laughs> I don't write code. So yeah, then that set out, you know, that's a whole journey, which I think it's always really good that entrepreneurs don't know what that journey is going to look like, or don't think that they would start it. But, but no, I did keep my other consulting gigs for quite a while, probably at least least six months as I was, you know, trying to find an engineer and trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to start. From the Insight Studio, this is Found in the Rockies, a podcast about the startup ecosystem in the Rocky Mountain region. The founders, funders, and contributors, and the stories of what they're building. I'm Stephanie, and on today's show, we have Nicole, the founder of Cheddar Up, that creates an easy way to collect money from a group of people. Cheddar Up is a technology platform that focuses on helping group organizers easily collect payments and information. So that ends up being all different walks of life, but it's some examples are, you know, helping someone who's running the PTA or their Girl Scout troop or a club or their HOA. Anytime someone is needing to collect payments and information, we're a great platform. Awesome. If I remember right, I'm thinking back to your platform and it's such a great website. A lot of times your use case is in kind of groups of people. Is that right? Yeah, that's super important. Yeah, you definitely have to be in, you know, nine times out of 10 collecting payments and information from a group. So if you, you know, if you need to pay your dog sitter or your tutor, Venmo is where, where you should go. But when, when you're talking about a big group, you know, 10, 20, 30, 100, 1,000, an entire community, Cheddar Up is perfect because we've built features to really make, you know, collecting money from a group really simple and to make paying really simple for whoever's in your community or your group. They don't need to download an app. They just click whatever link you send them and they, you know, proceed. That's amazing. And so how did you even get into this? Like, what were you doing before you founded Cheddar Up and what spurred this? Yeah, I was my, so my, most of my career was in management consulting. So I worked for Accenture and KPMG, which was sort of dry, a little boring, honestly. And then I had a couple of children and worked that whole time, but then started sort of consulting on my own. And I happened to be working for a financial technology firm at the time. So my brain was sort of on fintech, so to speak. But at the same time, like any working mom, I was just, you know, dealing with kids stuff. So I found myself sort of, well, I'm I'm leading into another topic, but I found myself sort of writing a lot of checks and filling out a lot of forms for a myriad of things, school stuff, sports stuff. And I just thought it was really silly. So it was sort of around that time when I was like, gosh, I wish there was another way, like a sort of a Evite, like easy platform that was very payment forward. And that's what made me think that the world needed a platform like Cheddar Up. Okay. And back when you started Cheddar Up, because what year was it formed? I think we started building it in 2014. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there wasn't like some of the competitors you listed earlier or not competitors because they're more Mm one-to-one. They weren't, they weren't even necessarily on the map yet. Correct. I mean, they were there, but it just sort of rumblings of them. Like, I think I knew Venmo that at that time there was a company called WePay, 
which really you know has since been bought, been purchased by Chase. And way back then, they were doing something sort of similar to what I wanted to do, but it was still different. And then they ended up pivoting to be more of a stripe light company. But yeah, like no one was solving this problem. No one was solving a lot of payment problems as it related to sort of peer-to-peer or groups. It was very much in his, in its infancy. And we've, you know, because we're really clear on the problem that we solve and the people we want to serve, you know, we, we don't, to your point, we don't really compete with Venmo. Like I use Venmo all the time. And I used to have girlfriends who were like, I'm so sorry I used Venmo. And I'm like, <laughs> that is totally fine. Use Venmo. There is a time and a place for Venmo. It is, it is one-to-one and it is quick and it is simple. We're quick and simple too, but we're just solving a totally different problem. But yeah, we, I mean, I, we've, you know, we've grown alongside a lot of other, you know, big payment platforms. And we've watched the whole industry evolve. And it's funny when you say the word competitor, because we don't have, of course we have competitors. You always want competitors and we do have some, but we are sort of a little different beast. Like there's the PayPal's of the world who are sort of more focused on a little bit B2B and some peer-to-peer. And then there's the Venmo's of the world that are really focused on peer-to-peer. And then we sort of sit in the middle. Awesome. Okay. So you're in management consulting, you're, you're seeing this issue specifically as a mom and you writing checks. What was that journey? Like, did you have this like very clear aha moment or did you start dabbling on the side? Like when, what was that like? And when did it become an actual thing? Yeah, that's a good question. I remember that time of life so vividly because it was chaotic and uncertain and super stressful. But yeah, I had an aha moment and it was it was a teacher gift use case. Again, we we serve a lot a lot a lot of different use cases. But at that time, I think I was driving around town and I was talking to another friend on the phone and we were literally talking about like Mrs. Dicker's teacher gift. What should we do? And and we decided we were going to do X and then I remember I was like, "Well, should we ask like so and so and so and so?" And then I immediately I think before I even said those words, I think I thought that and then I shut it down in my head because I was like, oh, that sounds like a pain. Now we're getting into like, you want to pitch in, you want to pitch in, well, I'll pitch in and then I'll have to chase them down and then they won't pay me and then I have to figure out who paid and who didn't. And so in my head, I was like, this is such a common problem, you know, collecting money from a lot of people and I'm shrinking away from it and then sort of recognized that I never raised my hand to do anything that involved collecting money from a group because I because of all the sort of weirdness and pain. And so that was my aha moment. It was related to a teacher gift. And I remember, I think I was driving around and then somehow I ended up in a noodles. And I remember sitting in the noodles and I was like, girls, because I have two daughters. And I was like, they were really little. And I was telling them my idea and they were just sort of like, okay, mom, whatever. But I it was super aha for me. I was like, I thought I'd struck gold. I was like, I must solve this. It's not like we started coding that day, but I eventually pulled my good friend, Molly, in, who's my co-founder. And we started figuring it out. I was not well-equipped to be a tech founder. It was not a plan. <laughs> I don't write code. So yeah, then that set out, you know, that's a whole journey, which I think it's always really good that entrepreneurs don't know what that journey is going to look like, or I don't think that they would start it. But but no, I did keep my other consulting gigs for quite a while, probably at least, at least six months as I was, you know, trying to find an engineer and trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to start. Yeah. So your path to launching, did you all do 
an accelerator? Did you have to raise money in order to launch your product? What was that phase like? Yes. So we, we definitely started without any money and without being in a program. Cause we just thought, you know, sort of naive, like we can build this, we can do this. And we built sort of a, an MVP, a minimum viable product and just sort of put it out into the wild and found a school, an elementary school here that wanted to use it for like a PTA that wanted to use it for a campaign. So we definitely had this sort of living, breathing thing before we raised capital. And before we did join an accelerator. We ended up joining 500 startups in the spring of 2015. And so that was fun and a whole thing in and of itself. And then we did, right before that, we did start to raise some friends and family cash. And I scrounged up some some funds prior to that. It was it was more than it was, you know, you end up spending a lot more than you you want to. But we joined 500 startups and I commuted to San Francisco for four months with little kids, it was really hard. It's hard to be away for weeks at a time. And I felt super out of place being sort of a middle-aged mom with all these cool young men from San Francisco. But it was, it was an experience and it was good. You know, I, I did the 500 startups more for the brand recognition. We had, we really had, we're starting to get some momentum, but but we still, you know, the accelerator still added a ton of value in terms of just insights and resources. And, and we raised an, a meaningful round right after that. So it was worth it. That's great. Oh, I can't imagine. Well, one, like in a COVID world, I can't even imagine them requiring you to go to San Francisco anymore. That just wouldn't happen anymore. Yeah. Um, Isn't that the truth? Might- Isn't that the truth? <laughs> yeah. That's funny to think about. Okay. So tell me about your first year after, so you get out of 500 startups, you raise around, what did the first year look like? Oh gosh, it was super fun. I mean, we felt like we were, we were doing what we should do, which I think is a theme of that first year for me as a first time tech CEO. I I did a lot of what I thought I should do with that capital. Let's do some Facebook ads. Let's build this. And it went fast. Money goes fast. So, I mean, it was fun. We hired some people. We expanded on the product. I remember that first year, we also changed sort of the payment engine behind our software, which was a bad choice. And led to a lot of stressful days. So uh, I'm kind of all over the place, but it was, it was, you know, I just really didn't know exactly what to do. I just did what I should do. And that's sort of one of, one of my big lessons that I've learned over the last five years is to trust my gut a little bit more to recognize, I've recognized that, you know, there's really not a necessarily a right way to run a startup or to run a tech company. Every company is so different. Every market is so different. Every company's path is so different. And so, and I think part of that honestly was being in that startup ecosystem for so long. I mean, it it was, it was a couple years that we were in, I was just thrown into now you're a, you're a tech startup founder and, you know, so many pitches to VCs and it's, it was not good for me, (laughs) to be honest, it was not good for my psyche. And, and that was I just, I got caught up in the, what should I do with this capital? Well, he's, well, they're doing that and they're doing that. And oh, look, they raised that much money and it was not a good place for me. And so we raised that capital. I was in San Francisco. We spent a lot of that money the first year. And then we ended up raising a bridge round. And then we had some things happen with our business that made it, started to make us profitable or or not necessarily profitable, but, but sustainable. 
and and then finally I was like, oh my God, this is where I want to hang out. I want to hang out in sustainability and where my back isn't against the wall and I'm not running out of capital. And and I and I didn't really find that place until I could sort of just push the whole startup land off to the side. Like I really needed when I was in a place where I didn't have to raise capital anymore, it was way more fun for me to focus on the business and grow strategies and and just what we were doing and to, cause capital, you know, raising capital as a lot of people know is just such a distraction. And then you throw in the mix, you know, the ecosystem of, of the startup community and the farther, I hate to say it, but the farther away I got from that, the better we did. And the more I learned, but I think our business is a little bit more nuanced too, because it's taken a little bit longer to get this momentum than we had anticipated because we operate in such a a niche world. It's not like a B2B SaaS company where I I feel like there's a, I don't know, the path is maybe a, a bit more known. Anyway, I'm rambling a little bit, but, but yeah, that first year was, was wacky and it was no fun to actually get capital and then start to run out of capital. But again, we found our way and we got some big partnerships and yeah, I'm super happy we, that we are not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that That's such an interesting insight. And I feel like I'm hearing this a lot from founders. And I think it's also what makes our region a really great place to be a startup founder is it takes you out of the, what you should be doing. But I feel like, you know, what you maybe might've done differently by what you were saying. So I'm just curious, like, if you were to do it over, what are some of the things you would have thought about in that first year and how you spent your capital? You know, at that time, 2015, 2016, it was still, startup world was a little different than it is now. It was, there was so much hype around it. And it was, I think a lot of founders, it was just like, have a big idea and people will give you capital and it doesn't matter if you make money. There was that mentality where, not knowing how you were going to make money was not a high priority. And I think there are so few businesses where that mentality actually works. And I think that's the plan wasn't fully mapped out. Like we were on a trajectory to run out of capital because we were spending it and we weren't making enough. That's how it works, turns out. <laughs> and, and so I should have seen the writing on the wall. And I should, I should, I, I think I just, I like, I think a lot of, founders was just like, well, we'll just raise another round. We'll we'll tell our story. We're doing good. We're not doing bad. You know, we're doing what we said we were going to do for the most part. And we'll just raise another round. But, you know, the, I don't know, actually Venmo is coming around more than, and it was people, investors, VCs, especially in San Francisco, it was, they, they were super confused. They were like, wait, what are you? Wait, you're, you're kind of like Venmo, like Venmo is going to eat you up. And I knew we were different, but it was really hard to paint that story for them. So I think what I would have done differently is I I would have assumed that it was going to be really hard to raise capital if I had run out <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't, I did not assume that. And I was like, we'll just, we'll just raise another round. And I had some pretty big investors at that time, like founder group out of, you know, of FG Angels. And so I, I was like super, I was a little overly swaggery, I think. So I would have not been as swaggery and I would have, I would have sort of seen through that, that sort of false sense of like, oh, we're just going to raise another round. And I would have, you know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I spent the money wisely, but it was just the, it just wasn't going to work out. I would have had to have raised another round to make it work. So every penny we got in after that point, I mean, I was just like crazy frugal. I was like, okay, 
we've this money has to last us a really long time until we can you know make enough money to sustain ourselves or raise another big round or have this, or have the whole story ready to roll and be really differentiated from the peer-to-peer companies of peer-to-peer payment companies of the world. And that's what we did. You know, we figured a lot out after we raised a little bridge round in a year later, and then we figured a ton out. And then we raised another round about a year and a half later. And mm. we've, we haven't raised since then. So, and we're doing great. We grow 30 to 50% every year for the most part. Last year was a little different with COVID, but we still did really well. And I was worried at the beginning of the year because it was, you know, we're a group payment platform and groups were not allowed to really get together much last year. And so, but we still did really well. Anyway, we can jump to that if, if it makes sense. Yeah. It sounds like you've transformed a lot as a leader and grown and developed into your own type of leader. Thinking back into that time, how did you make that leap? Like, how did you go from, this is what the world's telling me I should do to know I, I'm going to start doing it my own way. Cause that sounds really hard to me. Yeah. I mean, I am a different human than who I was. <laughs> I mean, like literally somehow my DNA has been wildly altered from who I was before starting Cheddar Up. And I don't know if that's good or bad. Honestly, I used to be like so sweet and naive and it, I sort of <laughs> miss that person to be honest. <laughs> I'm way more cynical now, but, but I'm certainly a stronger leader now. I think part of it came through just like extreme perseverance. I am financially, I don't do well when I am not like secure and cheddar up when we when our back was to the wall like cheddar up was my third child that i loved so much because i gave up so much time with my other two children like for me it was like deep to the heart because i was like i have I have been away from my babies for months and not to be too mommy about it. That's really what it came down to for me. It was like, I had sacrificed so much. And so cheddar up feeling wasn't really an option because I saw what it could be. And so after I got sort of in a secure spot, I was like, you know, this can't fail. Like, like <laughs> I'm doing it my way because that's, that's the way I know it won't fail. And so there was some, some time in there between, I don't know, 2015 to 2017. I was, I was like, okay, game over. Like I'm doing what I want to do <laughs> because, because I know we will end up in a really good place on that path. But it was, you know, it was, there were some dark days in there for sure. I'm sure that a lot of other founders can relate. Sure. Has there been anyone in your life in particular that has kind of motivated you or encouraged you and kept you going along the way? Of course, for sure. So many people. I think that's a silver lining of being a founder or an entrepreneur is just all the goodwill and all the help that you get along the way that makes such a difference. And there, I mean, there's a handful of humans that who are on that list. You know, my husband is one of them. If, if I didn't have a husband who wasn't like didn't have my back the whole way. I wouldn't be here with Cheddar Up. It wouldn't be where it is today. My co-founder is like the biggest, you know, you know, cheerleader, super reliable, super loyal. I don't think we'd be here today without her. And then, you know, those people who wrote the first checks or the checks when I was in a pickle, they have a really, really special place in my heart. Like <laughs> such respect for them. And there's a handful of them. One used to be an actual advisor of Cheddar Up and then 
One is just a good friend who I think took a flyer on me a few times. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know if you've ever been in that spot, but it's just when, when you need dollars to keep the lights on and someone gives you them. Yeah. I would take a bullet for those folks. Sure. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So one of the other things I was wondering with like kind of your transformation leadership and how you've done it your own way now is what are some of like the key skills that you've developed that now help you run Cheddar Up? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I think empathy to a certain extent, and, and that relates to, you know, kind of hearing your users out and managing a team. I think that has helped skills. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what my, I'm trying to think, well, what are my skills and have those skills help me? I'm a super detail oriented person and I'm, I'm a positive person. So I don't, I don't, for better or worse, I don't tolerate a lot of negativity around me and the business. And I think, I think that helps that has helped me sort of drive us toward, you know, just how help us grow, I guess. I mean, I, I wish sometimes I was more technical. I think, I think if you're a if you're a tech founder and you have more of a technical background, I think that could have probably helped me with some sort of missteps and technical hires. And when you don't know what you don't know, it's it's easy to make a mistake there. And I certainly made a couple of mistakes like that early on, very early on. So yeah, let's see. What have I said? Empathy, positivity, some tech background is helpful. Obviously, you need some some business background, which I which I did have, and that that helps a lot too. Yeah. Thinking back. Okay. So you stuck with it. You know, you've been going for a while. It sounds like you had kind of a moment breakthrough or some brand partnerships. Can you tell me about a time where it seemed like the fork in the road happened and you saw the ability for Cheddar Up to meet its potential? Yeah, I think there's probably a couple, but, but one happened in 2018. And you know, when you're an early startup, you're just sort of looking for any growth hack you can, you can find. And early on, probably 2016, 17, we had sort of found we, our user base tends to skew female because it turns out females, a lot of females are the organizers of the world. And we found, you know, just through just sort of paying attention to my co-founder and I's own sort of social paradigm. We, we saw a lot of people, peers on Facebook selling the, who were involved in the direct selling industry. So like the modern version of Mary Kay or Tupperware. And we found them sort of selling their extra samples on Facebook. And we were like, Oh, that's funny. Interesting. And then we're like, huh, I wonder if we could help them sell their stuff with our platform. Because a lot of people use Cheddar Up to sell stuff like Spiritware store and all kinds of stuff. And we're like, I bet we could if we just sort of like duct tape this feature on and this feature on. And so we did that early on and we put it in the hands of some direct sellers and they shared it with all their friends. And we're like, oh, we're solving that problem. That's cool. And we sort of built these custom catalogs for different direct selling brands. And we sort of, we, we started with the approach of, okay, let's give it to the sellers and have them spread it around. And then once we had enough validation, we were like, okay, we're really solving a problem for these folks. And so instead, then we started going to corporate and saying, hey, we've got this great tool. You should push it down to your sellers. And it, it sounds like a pretty easy path, but it was really laborious, to be honest. And it took a while for us to break through to, to corporate. They were just sort of like that, meh. You know, we don't really, we care about that problem, but we don't really care about that problem. And then eventually they really, with one brand, 
they, their sellers really needed the very seasonal sort of sales and they really needed a platform like ours. And this one brand that we had been talking to for, oh my God, like over a year, finally was like, okay, we're going to roll you out. And it was just like, boom. And it was huge. And we just had thousands of subscribers and monthly subscribers. And it just made a big difference for where we were at that time, revenue wise. And we were like, we did it. Like we're viable. Like, I mean, and, and that, that's <laughs> still, that still is just a, a little niche of what Cheddar Up does. Now it is right. Like we love direct sellers. We serve a lot of brands in that capacity and we, we will continue to invest there. So that was sort of one really big aha early on when we really needed it. But since then, now we have big partnerships with Girl Scout councils all over the country, which is sticking even more to our sort of original use case. You know, it's those troops and the service units. And when we started to develop those those partnerships, I was really personally happy because I was like, okay, this is how we're really going to kill it. Like we're going to, you know, we're going to continue to help those direct sellers. That's great. But we really, we have the most fun building features and iterating and gathering user feedback from those true, true group organizers who are just in it to win it for their community, troop leaders, PTAs. And, and that's where I get super excited because that's where we are the best, I believe, than any other platform. And so it's fun. Now I know that like, that's how we're going to, like, we're going to make our exit because we're the best at that. And we're going to continue to be the best at that. And that is where I really want to be. That's like, that's the, that's the, the, those are the people who we really want to serve. And so that was an aha moment for me. Like the direct selling was like, okay, we have to get more subscribers. We need a growth hack. We need to elbow our, our way through this funny spot. And we did that. But now, you know, when I look at all our new users on a daily basis, like they are organizers, they are group organizers. And that, that's an aha moment for, for us, because that means like, okay, great. We're going to get to be the thing we wanted to be because there was a time where I was like, oh, shoot, maybe we need a pivot and become this other thing, which I was like, oh, suppose we could, but it wasn't really where my, our, our passion was as a team. And so we're super excited that we get to be the, the group organizer platform forever. Mm, that's amazing. And I don't know if this is true. So I'm curious your response, but I'm assuming that group organizer type person for say the Girl Scouts is also likely to be an organizer in a different category. Is that right? Like they're they're just like, you know, I think about my own community. It seems like it's the same person that's driving and leading in a lot of topics. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it's, it's true. Yeah, there's a ton of overlap. I mean, if you're the troop leader, chances are you either are on or know someone on the PTA and your kid might play soccer who does tournaments that requires taking payments. So it really is a similar, if not the same human. And funny you say that, that's actually why we decided to do that direct selling growth hack at one point, because we were like, we know who the direct seller of the world is. It's a mom, it's a female, it's someone who's probably has some crossover to all the other group stuff. And that was our intention that that crossover does happen. But the crossover you're talking about is super real and does happen. And, you know, one of the someone else we work with is Mops. It's mothers of preschoolers. And we love them because they, you know, we're getting them at preschool and they get to learn about using Cheddar Up to collect dues and T-shirts and whatever they're doing in that organization. And then obviously their kids are going to grow and 
and do all the other things, you know, the, the troop and the PTA and stuff. So yeah, it's a very similar human. Mm, that's so fun. So I'm, I'm curious now, like where is Cheddar Up's future? Like where are you all today and where, where are you going in 2021 with this like hopefully transition into a vaccinated world? Yeah, we are, I mean, we are, we are growing. We are growing and we grow a lot through word of mouth, as you might imagine, you know, as PTA launches Cheddar Up for something, the fun run, hundreds of people pay. Now hundreds of people know about it. So word of mouth is huge for us. We, we as a team are, are working on scaling. So our internal processes, making sure our marketing is, you know, something that can be repurposed and expanded on and, and that we can continue to invest in certain strategies and know that it will, you know, earn us a profit. But so internally we're working, we're working on the product, like we never, ever stop doing. We're super product oriented, but we're really just like, you know, what marketing strategies can we refine? That's what we're doing. But, but we're, and we're also really focused on managing the growth. We were growing a lot at the beginning of last year and then, and we were hiring people and then COVID happened. And so we've been sort of experiencing some whiplash, so to speak, internally. It's like, we're growing. Let's pull back. And now we're in a, we're growing phase, but we anticipate 2021 to be a pretty big year for us if things keep going in the direction they're going in right now. What we saw happen during COVID was while the volume of collecting was less because people were doing a lot less, we actually acquired a lot of new users because people were like, oh, uh, we're still doing some stuff and we no longer, we can no longer do it offline. We have Mm. to move online. So this year we anticipate seeing, you know, lots of new users and the volume to ramp up. So anyway, it's going to be a big year. And the other benefit that we have seen is we've sort of seen just the use and acceptance of technology grow exponentially because of last year, because people had to use tech. And so that will definitely help our business because people are just like, why are we not online? This is crazy. Why are we handling checks and cash and paper? But but our goal is just to keep growing, honestly. I mean, we, we definitely have, you know, as a founder, I think about exit strategy, you know, a lot just so that I'm forward thinking, but we know we want to get this to a certain size before we even think about something like that. Awesome. I can't wait to watch your growth this year. If it's okay with you, can I transition us into my rapid fire round? Sure. Sounds good. Okay. I know everyone's always scared when I say that. I love it. <laughs> okay. What are you looking forward to in the next 30 days, personal or professional? Personal. I'm going on a trip with my family. I'm super excited to take a little break for seven days. I think it's it's so great how people are like embarrassed to say they're traveling, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought the world would get there where it's like, well, yeah, it's <laughs> that's great. Very good. Cool. I hope you have a great time. If your company shut down for a week and you could do anything with your time, but we're not allowed to work, how would you spend that week? Oh gosh. I would travel. I would probably go to Europe if it was safe to go to Europe. (laughs) What kind of traveler are you? Are you, yeah, with your family, are you an adventure traveler, hiking? Like, what do you do when you travel? Oh, you know, if I have like, if I have, I mean, a week probably wouldn't be enough time to go to Europe, frankly, but I, that's what I want to do. Like, I like to see new things, but we're not we're not a crazy, like we like to sit on the beach too. Like maybe we'll get mm. some museums, but we're not like, we don't have every minute scheduled out or anything like that. Yeah. 
We're the same. I get that. Next question. Anything binge worthy in your life right now? TV shows, podcasts, books, anything like that that you're into? Nothing is coming to mind. That is so lame. I'm trying to think of some cool show that I've been <laughs> binging, but I've, I haven't been binging any. No, no, I'm reading. I'm, I'm listening to a book. I'm listening to an audiobook called Contagious because I'm trying to figure out some growth strategies. But other than that, I got nothing. Okay, I'm going to have to send you a list of TV shows. Yeah, please do. I'm going to run out, frankly. I feel that way too. It's like, how are there so many shows on Netflix? Yeah, I can't find a single one. It's almost too many, honestly. I get overwhelmed when I go into Netflix. I'm like, ugh, I can't. Me too. I end up spending an hour watching trailers and then I walk away being like, I didn't even watch anything. Okay, next question. Who is someone you really look up to in life right now? You know, I have a, a CEO friend who's a female founder and her company's killing it right now. And I'm so happy for her. She's one of the, one of those like lucky unicorns that her, her business is like killing it because of COVID. And we were in the trenches together and I'm just super proud of her and super happy for her. And she's inspiring me to like, keep going. That's awesome. Yep. If you were not the founder of Cheddar Up, what do you think you would be doing in life right now? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. I am so grateful for Cheddar Up because I would literally probably do like, still be doing management consulting and I would be super snoozing. Yeah, I think I would just be like doing some three-fourths time like consulting gig. Bah. Yeah, it sounds like kind of like just going through the motions. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I definitely have an entrepreneurial spirit. So who knows? Maybe I would be running some other company. But yeah, I, I fear that I would be doing something boring. Mm, yeah, that that's interesting how you phrase that. You fear you would be. Okay, what's a current challenge you're facing, personal or professional? You know, I think professionally, not to like give you too big of a look under the hood, but we are just really work. Like I have a, an OKR this year for just really making our marketing machine better. Marketing has been something that I've had a harder time giving up because I've done some of it in my past. And it's always been one of these things where I'm like, I should be able to do that. I should be able to do that, but I'm so over it. And, and I'm excited because we're making a lot of progress there, but I think just really getting our marketing to be more data-driven and systematic is something I think about every day, all the time. Mm, That is so hard. That's such a good one because I think when we have some sort of base level skill and we're a founder, it's really hard to not be like, oh, I'll just do that, which means we always end up doing it on Saturday mornings. Mm -hmm. And yet there probably is someone better to do it. It's the worst. I hate it. Yeah, no, it's been a real (laughs) epiphany for me, which is embarrassing because I'm several years into this. But recently I've been like, this is like a weird emotional thing. Like I didn't realize it. Like I actually just have to let this go because a hundred percent, there are a million people who could do this better than me. Like give it up, Nicole. So, Mm. but I feel like, you know, as embarrassing it is, is it's, it's progress. So we're going to fix it. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's hard. I think it's hard for everyone. Final question. What motivates you to keep going on days when what you're doing seems impossible? Oh, I, That's a good question. I think it is just that I have proven before that if I just continue to put one foot in front of the other, that I will get there. I mean, I I just, that's all. It's just keep going. (laughs) Keep Keep going. going. I find lots of times people win because they didn't give up. And I think that is going to be the case for us. 
like just keep going. Oh, that's so good. It's such good advice too, because we always, in the founder world, I think we perceive this idea that there's these major breakthroughs happening all the time or these overnight successes that really took 10 years. Mm -hmm. That really good advice. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for being on the show. Can you please tell our audience where they can find you and Cheddar Up online? Absolutely. So if you have a group collecting need, payments or information or all of the above, you can go to www.cheddarup.com or you can go to the iOS or Android store and just search up Cheddar Up. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Found in the Rockies. You can find links in the show notes or go to foundintherockies.com to get transcripts, links, and contact information for today's guests. If you like what you heard and want more, please rate, review, and subscribe to get notified as our new episodes drop. See you next time.